Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Club. This is the place everyday real estate investors gather to share their best stories, biggest insights, and favorite tactics to grow a portfolio of cash-flowing properties in today's market. Here's your host, Gabe Peterson. All right. Happy Friday, everybody. It is a beautiful day here in sunny Seattle, Washington. And we got Caleb Johnson with us to talk a little bit about residential real estate, specifically multifamily. We love our multifamily guys. So Caleb, thank you very much for hopping on the show. Gabe, thank you for having me. Absolutely. I told you right before we got on here, we like to start with stories. So take us to the beginning of your story. How'd you get started in real estate? Yeah. So two things got me started in real estate. One was when I learned that 90% of millionaires had gotten their millions through real estate. I knew I had to learn more because if I wanted to have that success and really just the freedom uh, to do what I want, when I want, with who I want, then real estate was probably my best bet. Now, the second thing that really motivated me to even start an entrepreneurship was because of my mom. She, long story short, had surgery. And so she was around that retirement age and was going to be out of work for three months. And at the end of three months, she was going to go back to work, but she hadn't healed properly. Hmm. So she was stuck with a tough decision, go back to work and make more money or stay home, rest and recover, which was probably best for her. But prolong retiring by three years, you know, three to five years because she was uh, saving for retirement. So she made the tough call to go back to work. And honestly, Gabe, I would see her come home just in tears because she was in so much stress and so much physical pain and agony. And that really broke my heart. And I wanted to help her retire early. And at the same time, I didn't want to go through that myself. So having a, a job kind of dictate Uh, And put me in that position where I'm not prepared to retire. Um, And I'm not saying jobs are a bad thing. I definitely think we need jobs and occupations. And that's great. And especially if that's what you want to do with your life, then praise God. But for me, I I wanted more control over my future. And that's what got me started on real estate. Nice, man. Yeah, I... um... That's why I love hearing people getting into real estate for the financial freedom aspect of it, because you know so many times in life, things can just kind of come out of the woodwork. And if you're forced to make a decision that is not in the best interest of you know your health, your family's health, um, simply because of finances, that is, you know, I never like to hear that. We're we're just going through. Um, we just had our first kid, and uh, you know, generally, thank you, thank you. Um, but generally people get, you know, up to three months, um, maternity leave. And I feel like that is not enough. And I, I'm not comparing it to, um, to your story, but just, you know, having to make, if somebody had to make the decision, do they, do they stay with their child or do they go back to work? Um, just because of finances is always hard. So it's, it's great to hear that, you know, you went and you, uh, you saw that you took that story from your mom and you used it as motivation to, uh, to, create a financial stable future for you guys through real estate. Um, and I've also, I've heard of that 90% of millionaires. I think it's in history, right? Uh, we're creating so. real estate. Yeah. I've, something like that. That's been thrown around so many times. I don't know if that's if how, who created that number or how it was made, but um, it is pretty crazy to think about. 
maybe if you go in history, it makes sense. I just feel like nowadays, I don't yeah, know, there's more, so many young entrepreneurs, especially in like marketing media. So I, I don't know. That's a stat, and it motivated me, man. So I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, well, right on. Let's uh, let's talk about what you guys do. Um, so you made that decision. You you saw your mom go through that experience, and you wanted to get into real estate. When did you actually? What did you buy first, and uh, what led you from there to multifamily? My first deal was a fourplex that I house hacked. And just to define quickly what that means is I bought a fourplex. I lived in one unit, rented out the other three. But because I was living on site, a lender was willing to give me very favorable debt terms. I only needed about three and a half percent for the down payment. So like 12,000 bucks. And once that property was stabilized, it was making me about $1,200 a month. And then we sold it and we really caught that appreciation wave. So that was a great first investment. Oh, yeah. Now, what year was that, by the way? That was, buy? oh, 20, I think 2018. Oh, nice. Yeah. Around then. Yeah. Yep. And, and especially in the Phoenix market, I mean, it was such a blessing. Hockey stick. Yeah. Yeah. And then did that again with a duplex, uh, did a flip in there. And so for about three years, I focused on that residential uh, sub four unit range. And I always thought that I would stay there for a, a few years, more years, maybe five to 10. And then I would scale into apartments eventually, but around that three-year mark, really learned the opportunity and the scale potential with apartments. Mm. And that's when I jumped in. And today we focus, we've done six deals, uh, two JVs, four syndications, and we focus on 75 plus units. Nice. And is this all um, in the, the Phoenix market or have you guys branched out to different markets? Yeah, we we looked in Phoenix and um, I'm not buying in Phoenix currently, at mm. least probably for the next six months. Uh, we are aggressive in Tucson, which is the mm. secondary market in Arizona. That's uh, north, right? That's south. Oh, it's yep. south. Oh, right, right, south. right. Flagstaff is north. Right. Exactly. And we own in New Mexico. Uh, I'm not buying there anymore. And we are aggressively pursuing deals in Texas, Oklahoma, uh, Alabama, and Arkansas. Nice. Okay. So, um, Let's run through because that's a, a wide array of markets. And you mentioned that you were looking in New Mexico. You're not anymore. Let's talk a little bit about those markets because choosing a market is one of the first decisions you have to make. And it's a big one. Um, mm-hmm. because if you choose the wrong one, you might be in for a hard time. <laughs> yeah. So why, uh, why did you initially choose New Mexico? And then why did you um, get out of New Mexico? Yeah. And like you said, Gabe, it is such an important thing. The market is one of the most fundamental, important things right up there with picking the sponsor. Hmm. Um, and so New Mexico, we were looking there because we had relationships and one of my partners already owned there. He owned 60 units. So it was nice kind of economies of scale. And now that we own, I own three properties there, we're really realizing that the city is very challenging. It's a blue state. And so you have um, really? a lot I didn't of know these. That. I thought it was red. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so we're having a lot of challenges just with the city evicting people, Mm. um, just having that process dragged out longer than it would otherwise in a red state. So and um, with it being New Mexico, there are uh, some great property managers there and we work with one of them. Now, I will say the pool for property managers is very low. So you have to have the right kind of property that's large enough to support 
a good manager being willing to go there because it's not like a Phoenix or a DFW where you have dozens of really great property managers that you can uh, pick from. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense. Um, so it sounds like it was a lot of, you know, politics were a big, big factor in that was the economy didn't matter, um, or at least didn't have that much of an impact. I don't know much about New Mexico. I'm assuming it's doing okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Great growth. Uh, Albuquerque and Las Cruces. Las Cruces is a secondary market to Albuquerque, which is a primary market. And they have great job diversity, job growth. Um, and so the metrics are there just on the city front. It's, it's pretty challenging. Um, and I'm assuming we can use that same logic to the new markets you listed because you said you left uh, New Mexico because it was a blue state, politics were hard, and then you went to Oklahoma, Texas, and Alabama, all red states. Um, I'm assuming, well, they also have great growth, but I'm assuming that's one of the reasons why you chose those. Yeah, yeah. And looking at, uh, we look at the Bureau of Labor Statistics and the forecasted job growth for the next 10 years. And there's a great book written by um dave god why can't i think of his last name um but it's called emerging real estate markets david lindall okay and he talks about how to pick a really great market so i use that book like the bible in picking a, a market that we picked and alabama's on top of all those indicators is a union free state so hmm. really a lot of big corporations yeah, a lot of big corporations are moving their headquarters there. And so that's why they're seeing all this really solid job growth. And then everyone knows Texas um, and Oklahoma, red state, very landlord friendly, and it's a cash flow market. So that means you can buy something for around $50,000, $60,000 a door and rents are going to be 900 bucks. So it beats the 1% rule. Yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. Uh, so Mississippi, Arkansas, Louisiana. I mean, I know that's part of the Sun Belt. People always like the Sun Belt. They like to invest in the Sun Belt. Um, those are also red states, but it didn't hit your criteria. What was uh, missing out of those? You know, I have looked at Missouri um, and I'm a Red Sea Capital is just me. And then I partner with strategic investors uh, or partners for different deals and different markets. And so I don't want to spread myself too thin. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm of the ilk of that. I'd like to know every broker and a couple markets and have some really good deal flow, build out um, a portfolio in that market compared to having one deal in six different states. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. So let's talk a little bit about um, how you structure your deals. You mentioned Red Sea Capital. It's just you. Um, so you go out there and it sounds like you've done both syndications and JVs. What is it that you bring to these deals? What, do, what is it that you bring to the partnerships? And then how do you find your partners? Uh, how does it all work? Yeah, that's a great question, Gabe. Um, so we're, they're syndications. So mm -hmm. what I bring to the deal is finding the deal. When I started three years ago, I started with uh, broker relations. Actually, capital raising is what I started with, and that didn't go as well as I had thought back then. It's so harder I than people say, right? <laughs> it is, man. It you is. Really gotta, yeah, we, although I will say, um, after I made this podcast, I mean, it became a lot easier. If anybody is interested in raising capital and that's something that you want to, you know, the value add that you want to do, I highly suggest creating some kind of informational platform that kind of puts you out there as an authority because it really does help um, when you're 
having conversations with the potential capital partners just to show something that you know you're having these conversations with other investors they'll see it they'll be like okay he knows what he's talking about um, absolutely but i jumped into your your conversation keep going mm-hmm. yeah so uh, i focus on broker relations and i'll find the deal so i've been developing relationships with these guys for two and a half years and i've done deals with some of them before so uh, that's what i bring to the table and now since I have the podcast and have more of a brand, capital raising is another uh, focus of mine. And so we're also working on the sponsorship piece of that, where we can sponsor our own deals. Because generally how our deals are structured, you need a key principal or a KP. And they're the ones that have the net worth and the liquidity to qualify for these loans. Mm-hmm. And so real quick, if you don't know, like you're asking, why is that important? Um, whenever you're getting one of these loans, let's say it's a $10 million loan, you need someone on your team that's signing on the note that has the net worth equal to or greater than the amount of that loan. So they need to be worth 10 million bucks and they need liquidity of 10% of that loan. So they need a million bucks, cash, liquid stocks, something that's liquid, um, and so we're working on that ourselves, just working on the network, uh, excuse me, the net worth piece. So we'll sign on every note that we can just to uh, develop that experience. So that's how we structure our deals. And that's that's what I bring. And you guys do bank financing? Uh, we do. I mean, Freddie Agency, um, we worked with credit unions in the past. It's pretty deal specific. Um, and uh, we do want to get the best rate that we can for each deal. Yeah. Yeah. We've been, uh, we do self-storage mobile home RV parks and everything in the past six months that I've underwritten just did not make sense with the interest rates. And so we've been going hard on seller financing. I haven't closed. Well, I've closed a bunch of seller financing deals, but recently I haven't, I haven't been able to convince sellers to give me a seller financed structure with an interest rate that's lower than the market. And I'm just Mm. like, the reason I'm pushing seller financing is the market rates are too high. It doesn't make sense with your purchase price, but the the message is not landing. So maybe, maybe Mm -hmm. one of these days get there once you find the right motivated seller. Yeah, exactly. Um, right on. So, uh, you guys are in those markets and you're focusing on 75 plus multifamily. Let's talk management. How do you manage it? Um, sounds like you guys partner with third party property management companies. That's exactly right. So, um, and I have before made the mistake of it's not really necessarily a mistake, but focusing on, let's say, 10 to that 70 unit mark is from my experience very challenging to find quality property management that is really good in that size range because mm. you'll either have guys that focus on we're talking residential right so you you'll have guys that are really good at single family small multifamily you know under 10 units and that's their bread and butter as managers and they're great now there's also guys that they only focus on 100 150 units and that's just their bread and butter and that's all they do. So if I have a 60 unit deal, the 100 unit guy, he might take it on, but our property might actually suffer because he's used to this 100 unit thing and it's completely different. There's not on-site management. So it's a completely different ball grain. And then at the same time for that smaller apartment uh, manager that does single family, 
they, you know, they'll say, yeah, I'll take on a 60 unit apartment. It's 60 units under one roof. That's going to be way easier than 60 single family homes. And then they get into it and it's a completely different beast. So finding that good property manager for that deal size is really key, Gabe. And so that's why I focus on 75 plus units is because 75 units is pretty close to that 100 unit mark. So you can still usually have an on-site office uh, and it runs more like a business closer to that 100 unit mark. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I always recommend people, um, you know, when you first get started, get your education, partner with people, learn how to do the business, but don't dawdle in the lower unit counts for too long. Try to get to the higher unit counts because uh, they're safer because you have more cash flow. And then it's also easier to manage. People don't really think about this, but when you have somebody on site with a bigger, you know, the bigger facilities, self storage, uh, multifamily, whatever, once you get to the point where you can have an on site staff, um, it makes the management of the property a lot easier. And uh, so, I mean, there's a ton of reasons why. And plus, you're making more money. Obviously, that's a good reason. But um, yeah. bigger is better. And definitely get started at the, well, get started. You can start lower, but as fast as you can get to the higher units. Yeah. And that's exactly what I did too. You know, started with my first apartment was 16 units and then scaled uh, 20, a 20, a 30, a 30. And so I'm now that's why we're focusing on larger deals. It's exactly what you said. Yep. Exactly. All right, man. I looked at the clock. It looks like we have run down the timer. So it is time to jump into the quick question round. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Starts with books or any form of education. I need two recommendations, one for general life wisdom and then one for real estate or business specific. Mm. I would, let's just go with the David Lindahl book, um, Emerging Real Estate Markets uh, on the Business Front. And, um, you know, I would say on the personal side, uh, geez, I would say either the book of Proverbs or the book of James in the Bible. Those have some great, um, I mean, wisdom, you know, the Proverbs is a book of wisdom. So that's a big one and has really shaped my life just in being a better business person. Um, so those are my two recommendations. Nice. I love it. Um, yeah, my favorite book is uh, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. And I think it's pretty much, it's pretty similar to Proverbs, it's just little aphorisms that kind of get you going every morning. So yeah, cool. uh, makes a lot of sense. All right. Next question is for your younger self. So let's go back to Caleb, who just saw her, his mom, um, you know, go through that experience, had that motivation, like I need to get things going. Go back to him, look him in the eye, give him one piece of advice moving forward. Man, I actually just shared the same piece of advice on a podcast yesterday. And that is I'm somewhat of an isolationist, mm. meaning I can isolate myself from others very quickly um, and really just cut them out of my life, right? If someone does something that doesn't make sense to me, whatever the reason is, I can just cut them out of my life and not think twice. And that can be good. But in my instance, it's bad because the root, the seed of that is because of my ego. And honestly, Gabe, it's that I can think that I'm better than some people. Uh, well, I, I can think that I'm better than people sometimes. And that's not the case at all, because I can learn something from anybody all the time. And I don't remember who said it, but they said, every man is my superior in some way. 
So it might not be apartments, but I can learn something from everybody. And that's what I would tell my younger self because I would have shaved a lot of hardship, saved probably a lot of relationships um, if I had done that. Yeah. Yeah. The ego is a bitch for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a, it's a hard, hard one to tame. And I think that, that quote, uh, I want to say it was like either Benjamin Franklin or, um, I've heard it before and I'm probably going to be wrong. I think it was like Benjamin Franklin or, uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln, but, um, good quote and good advice for your younger self. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to the next question. And this is about, well, the U.S. It's a big place, a lot of opportunity. Give me the single metro. We're talking about cities that you are most excited about investing in today. And I would say Huntsville, North Alabama. That right. there is a lot of growth over there, and again, union-free state. So, uh, if you buy something there, buy at a right price. But I think you'll do well. Nice. Yeah, I've heard good things about Huntsville. My sister actually wanted to move there, um, and I was like, "Dang, man, Mississippi's so far away." Mm. All right. Next question is about finding deals. It all starts with the lead. So what is your favorite way to find good deals? The way I started um, is still my favorite way. And going to LoopNet and Crexity, I wrote down every broker's contact information on there. And it's not that I was looking for deals on LoopNet and Crexity. I have heard that being an option. And I've also heard that LoopNet is where good deals go to die. But for me, it was a great resource and tool to find brokers that were doing deals in that market. So I wrote down all their information, called them all up, told them my buy box. And that's how I closed my first deal. That's how I've built relationships with brokers I've done deals with today. So that is how I would recommend starting finding deals. There you go. Brokers, gotta love it. I've actually, I have done a deal off of LoopNet and it, mm-hmm. it turned out to be a decent deal. So people throw so much shade to, uh, you know, on market deals, but there some of them turn out to be okay. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Next question is about mentors. None of us are islands. We all stand on the shoulders of giants. So who is one mentor who has contributed significantly to your career today? Hmm. I'm going to go back to my first one, um, Gilbert Moreno here in Phoenix, Arizona, one of the top real estate agents here in Phoenix. And he owned a couple rentals and he was probably 12 to 18 months ahead of me when I was first starting off. And he was very uh, influential and giving me some contacts with contractors, lenders when I was first starting off. All right, there you go. Okay, next one is about your strengths. We all are given gifts that we uniquely provide this world. So what is your Superman strength? Hmm. Man, these are some good questions, brother. Um, (laughs) I would say probably listening. And uh, that kind of ties into emotional IQ. Um, 30 seconds to do with that is that in high school, I was very antisocial. I would probably walk a thousand, uh, a half a mile out of my way just to avoid as many people as I could because I had a very low self-confidence. And now God's actually used that in my life as a way that I can connect. And I really have a heart for listening to people um, and understanding how to communicate with people. So I'd say um, those two things are uh, some of my superpowers. There you go. Yeah. I mean, the hardest times in our life, they definitely create uh, uh, strengths that we don't uh, 
necessarily know are being created in the time that you're going through that moment. Um, and, you know, being able to listen to somebody, understanding what hard times feel like and really connecting with people is definitely a strength. So love that. Uh, next question is about deals gone bad. Not every single deal is bright and roses. Um, some of them, you know, some of them go sideways before they turn back up. So what was your biggest lesson learned in a deal that went sour? So we were working on, we had an accepted LOI on 160 units in Oklahoma. That was around $10 million. And once I brought it to one of my business partners, after about three weeks of underwriting this thing myself and negotiating the PSA, um, realized that there was an error in my underwriting sheet that, Mm. I mean, cut a million. So once we fixed the error, I had to renegotiate a million dollars off the price. Mm. And that obviously wasn't going to fly. So that would have saved uh, a month of my life if I would have gone to a partner earlier to verify my math. So that is what I would say with any deal now, that's something we do all the time. You got to check those formulas in Excel. <laughs> Sometimes mm-hmm. they, uh, you know, even if you have it connected to the wrong, you know, cell, maybe one calculation is off, it can completely throw everything else off. So uh, I, I feel your brother that's happened to me, you know, creating an Excel and then realizing, oh, shit, I did that wrong. Um, all right. That leads us to the last question. This is for the listeners. I'm sure people want to reach out, get in contact with you, learn a little bit more about Red Sea Capital Group. So what is the best way for them to do that? Well, first, Gabe, really appreciate you having me on here. Uh, I've really enjoyed the conversation and it's very brief to the point and I'm a busy guy. So I, I really appreciate that. Um, people can find out more about us at redseacapitalgroup.com. They can check out our podcast, which is From Trial to Triumph. And we're all on over social media, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. Sweet. I'll put those links in the show notes. So if y'all want to reach out to Caleb, just click the little more in the description. It'll pull down the full description. And there you can find Caleb's links. All right, man, that wraps it up. Thank you very much for hopping on the show. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. For everybody who's here with us today, thank you guys for showing up. You are the reason we do this. So if you guys have any questions whatsoever, reach out to me, Gabe, the real estate investing club.com. And if you guys want to support the show, all we ask is give us a like, subscribe, share, all that jazz. Other than that, I hope you guys have a great week. Keep rocking real estate. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right. Before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, Go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form. Fill that out and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.